and welcome to Inside Baseball with my friend Morris Sachs. I'm Liam Allen. How you doing, MB? <laughs> that is how you start a fucking Sunday morning, right there, right? Your well song, done. my friend. You called it. <laughs> well done. Um, you know, uh, just to keep people up to date, um, today's podcast is, um, how do we say, it's a little bit in dispute. So normally we record Saturday mornings, but um, we're in the process of renegotiating our contract with the network and we've reached an impasse. And so Liam and I at first decided to go on strike. No show. And, and no show. And then after many hours of discussion back and forth, we decided, Liam and I, that it wasn't fair that the listeners should suffer. Right. So this episode is uh, gratis, free, free gratis. And um, uh, I hope you enjoy it. So anyway. It's good um, to be with you, my friend. It's nice to see you. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you because to me, there was absolutely nothing that went on this week. I'm not excited by a low vol propped up uh if i hear another person call it a, like back to the bull market or say the fed put his back i'm going to hit him in the head with a shovel um so we're not great, gonna... yeah <laughs> great minds think great minds think alike because i'm prepared to do a whole show about nothing okay fine. Um, <laughs> so the thing i wanted to kick off was i wanted to get your take on birkenstocks Oh yeah, absolutely. Love them. I I mean really my, both of my children out of the womb wearing the the cork soled leather buckled. Um yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Dude, as you know, I drove a Subaru for a long time. Okay. As as did I. <laughs> right. As did I. But do you actually wear Birkenstocks? No, absolutely fucking not. My wife would divorce me. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. So we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, please. Okay. I just, you know, I didn't you know. Where know. You never know. You never know. Well, when you, the first shot out of the, across the bow was my kids. But I, anyway, uh, the reason I ask is, you know, it's become unsafe to ride your bike on the roads in Arizona here. In Arizona, dude, everywhere. Yeah. 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 So, so, uh, I've gotten quite, adroit to loading up the car and driving 20, 30 minutes. But, you know, I don't, you can't wear your cycling shoes to drive in, right? It's just because the cleats and yeah. So um, I have a need for some sort of shoe that's easy to get on and off. And of course, I can't wear Birkenstocks. I mean, they're- Crocs? How about they're, Crocs? I'll get to Crocs in a minute. <laughs> So anyway, uh, I said to Cheryl, I need a pair of shoes that kind of do this. Would you get them for me? And, mm -hmm. and, you know, life changed a few years ago where all of a sudden she decided she better jump in and get involved in the clothes <laughs> I was buying. For the um, better. You never looked better. <laughs> I thought, thank you. And I feel great. Um, so she ends up getting me these Merrells, which okay. I, I, of course, coined them. They're Birkenstocks for heterosexuals. Um, <laughs> But it's funny. It's funny you mentioned Crocs because uh, we had a. Um, uh, I did a few rides this week, which were a lot of fun. Uh, one of them was organized by uh, our good friend Mike, 
and uh, he was bringing a client along okay. and he invited uh, myself, the uh, world's best mountain biking coach. Wow. Jason, so he Jason, Jason, yeah, Jason Tullis. Then the world's second best mountain biking coach, John Benson. Wow. Um, <laughs> my friend, my friend Jonas. Yep. Um, uh, and then Shannon who is, <laughs> okay. is a cat one racer in his own yeah. right. Right. So we get like, cause Mike is very good about planning. Yes. Some may say a little OCD, but Understood. let's just say thorough. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, so of the eight emails that preceded the ride, each one of them stated clearly, this was a friendly ride, no drop, <laughs> conversational pace, get yes. to know each other, right? Don't go in front of my front wheel. Yes, yes. Right. So anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Jason, of course, and John and spending time with Mike and then Jonas is here and I'm eager to show him around. Uh, and of course, you know, riding with Shannon's always a treat. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I meet the, the, the client friend of Mike's and it seems like a very, very nice guy. And, you know, we're doing basically a, 90 minute out and back yeah. with some with some climbing and uh we start riding and the next thing i know mike and his guest are like up the route road yep and the, the ride is fucking splintered mm -hmm. and i'm looking at this thing and finally after all these years i don't have mush for brains i realize i've got three guys behind me that could drop these guys in an, in a, in a New York minute. Right. So mm -hmm. I kind of take it easy and follow. And then, but you know, the whole, what is it about no drop ride? It's like, you might as well say, this is a drop ride. If it's Mike's ride, he can ride his pace though. If Mike started the I, email, I, he's I, the I, author I, of the email, then it's his I, wheel that doesn't get crossed and it's up to I, you. Okay. I, yeah. But, but it's it, intimidating. It, Dude, it's a natural reaction to Benson and Jason. Okay. When you get to the when you get to the start, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> like I can't, I can't slow these guys down. I can't soft pedal. I can't look like a slob. So I gotta, you know, I gotta give a little extra effort. I gotta give a seven on a you know on the scale. And next thing you know, you're up the road. Um so so, so this is why maybe either I'm too polite or simple-minded. But when I started to ride at a competent mm -hmm. level. Okay. Mm -hmm. I wrote a lot with Big Ed and Turgot. And I didn't understand exactly the protocol, like the pace line and the pulling through and whatever. But it appeared to me that since Ed was the better writer, it would be rude of me to go ahead of him. Like I was clearly below his grade. And I don't know whether that's right or wrong, but right. that was my assumption, right? Okay. Holy crap. So to show up to a ride where you don't really know anyone and then kind of start, in any event, long story short, it leads me to the Crocs, <laughs> which, so anyway, Mike is my neighbor here. Mm -hmm. He lives about 500 yards up the hill. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, he invites us all over to his new home for a lovely steak dinner, which was exquisite. Okay. Mm-hmm. Beautiful setting. <laughs> it, 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 I, can, it, I already know where we're going. I know where we're going. Okay. okay. So it, it, I'm already, I can it, picture it. My only question is what color are Mike's Crocs? No, no, no. Don't jump ahead. Okay, don't jump okay. ahead. Okay, okay. It's better. It's actually better than that, I think. So we're discussing how the way Mike's deck is created to mm-hmm. give you this huge expanse. I mean, this is breathtaking. This is it's an architectural a, digest quality. This is a, yes. Yes, yes. Okay. In fact, it's the largest steel beam ever made for okay. a residential home. Right? Get the this fuck out of here. Come uh, on. It's not, well, hey. He's the best. Who am I? He Who is the best. Idea? Okay, okay, that's fantastic. So, I knew it was nice, but we're talking like like a statistical <laughs> Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> I knew he was so, not screwing around. Good for him. So beautiful. So you're in you're in a painting. You're in a painting backyard. <laughs> it's the whole the whole thing. It's yeah. just like in the movies. Mm-hmm. And um, so I bring up this question of the Merrills because you know Mike wears uh, Birkenstocks. He's Canadian. You know, he's very comfortable with his masculinity. So my constant harassing him about them being gay goes on deaf ears. Yes. And so, and uh, John Benson throws out the comment about Crocs. He yeah. says, anyone wear Crocs? Yeah. And we all kind of look at each other. He said, <laughs> muffs, kids, muffs. <laughs> he says, Wearing Crocs is like getting a blowjob and looking down and seeing it's a guy. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> and that's all we have time for. Because Canadians, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. So, uh, so that was one of the rides. The other ride I took uh, Jonas, who's a legitimate triathlete, out to this Bartlett Lake. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh it's up i don't know if you saw it it's up on strava okay. um so it's it's 26 miles round trip with 3000 feet of climbing mm-hmm. um and oh. uh yeah yeah and now i'm on this keto diet right yeah. so after 45 minutes i'm out of glycogen but i got a piece of bread in my back pocket and <laughs> and so i'm kind of like in a little bit of a zone and now john is just just so much fitter than me right because he's just done an iron man and and we're going and and he kind of says to me how's the pace and i'm like yeah i'm just kind of going along and and you know how cyclists play these mental games with each other and i'm like he wouldn't be like you know mind fucking with me would he that kind of thing like Yep, but it crossed you know, like oh right, right. So I'm trying to think. Does he think, you know, I'm not up to it, or is it go- or is it too hard for him? I you know, Loaded I don't, question. I, right. Yeah, I don't know. And, and so dive you know, into this question. <laughs> I just stick my head down. I keep pedaling, and and uh, I PR'd it. Nice. Wow. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> I mean, I, I PR'd it even compared to my Leadville fitness which is amazing. So that's the good news. The bad news is for the next two days, I could not move. Um, <laughs> I was completely catatonic and paralyzed, but it was worth oh. it. And I would, I would do it again. 
Um, Dude, you talk about that ride etiquette. You, you're right about that ride etiquette. I did. I did the uh, the Grand Fondo, New Jersey, with Mike and and Ivan Basso. Okay, so you know. Oh, Mike, yeah. So we did like the we were in the VIP group, and Ivan Basso rode shoulder to shoulder with Mike and I for four hours in like in the rain, right? Torrential rain. Okay, and he never once pushed the pace. Never once fell behind. He was just sh- like in lockstep, shoulder to shoulder with Mike the whole entire ride. I had never seen anything so pro. Um, and that, that was yeah. that, that was a great day. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so Jonas and Alex put yep. together this hedge fondo uh, okay. thing, which they go up to uh, Vermont, and it's it's a nice thing. Uh, we I'm we were we have an open invitation every time, but I think one year they had a pro, um, uh, Ted King. Of who course, yeah. I met very very nice. Yes, guy, and he sells like the maple syrup shop yep. thing. And, yes, he does. But I'm not sure that I got this exactly right. But apparently he was supposed to be the major domo and lead the ride, and apparently just pushed the pace and and busted the thing up and i was told i was scolded by him in colorado i rode with him in colorado on a bike shop ride this is this has got to be 10 years ted King, King? King. yeah ted king and he did one of those like hey i'm gonna be in in boulder if you guys want to ride on sunday come on out so i went and rode with ted and 20 other guys but this was back in when i was doing wednesday night riding gimbals religiously where i went to the front and did my pull and pulled a little bit too hard for a little too long. So when Ted wheeled up next to me, it was like, uh, this is this is like a cool ride, dude. Like, you don't have to hammer it. And I was like, sorry. I was like, I, I was just going to do my pull. I, I didn't want to be like a, I didn't want to be a passenger here. And he's like, no, it's yeah. all good. Um, yeah. And then we got so to he, talk. I was like, where are you from? And I was like, oh, New York. He's like, oh, yeah, Gimbals. And he's like, my brother rides in Central Park. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah, it's a it's a small community. It really is. It, it, it really is. Speaking of which, um, I've gotten orders from GHQ that we are uh, decamping uh, Arizona Thursday. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, yeah, mixed mixed emotions. So uh, I do have a tiny bit of fitness, not like the old days, but I was actually thinking of maybe seeing if I could get a couple of bodyguards and heading out to the gimbals ride. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. We'll see see. Saturday morning. Yeah. You know, it's like, what's that saying? Cycling doesn't create character. It reveals it. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, so speaking of creating character, mm-hmm. uh, I guess you probably saw that the, famous uh iconic investment bank goldman and Sachs has canceled their order for the airplane with the shower in it um you know i i totally get it i totally get it you know you you, you gotta draw the line somewhere right that's the line, that's the line. yep I mean, you know but i i just i wonder you know if the whole setup was dj sal getting the thing so he could go to a meeting and was like I bet I'm the only one here who got a blowjob in the shower on my airplane. <laughs> right, exactly. 
Exactly. Uh, dude, so, how about the New York Post? How about the New York Post doing our work for us, dude? Right on cue. You spent 30 minutes talking about the plane on the show last week. The post oh fires God. up the article on Tuesday. It's just hey guys, it's, check out what we got for you. Planes? We got a we got a Goldman Sachs plane story for you. So, my, so, my the post. <laughs> the it's best. amazing. You know what? We've got a very broad and diverse audience, which I'm grateful for. So um Having um, had success in Wall Street, and, and success is measured in many ways, um, uh, I've seen a lot of the trappings of uh, what success can yield. Yeah. Fast forward to this morning, which was I got up, I fed the dogs, I cleaned up the dog poop out of the backyard. I emptied the dishwasher and I started my own uh, laundry. <laughs> wow. So, so here we are. <clears throat> but, but in the world of the private plane, as you mentioned, I have had some experience. So I've been on that plane that they're talking about with the shower and the thing. Mm-hmm. And I, that, that I don't, that I don't really get like, I know you. You want to put your headphones on and go to sleep. You're putting your headphones on and going to sleep. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And there's there's many photos of that, right? That's what you do. <laughs> on the other hand, if you fly on Emirates mm-hmm. first class, mm-hmm. now this is like I would pick this over a private charter yeah. anywhere in the world yeah, because yeah. you have your own. It's like a room. I know. I know. I know. I use it That's when what, I go to Ireland. When I go to Ireland. Okay. Yeah. And a butler, and like you get seven minutes of hot water shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, 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 this <laughs> is that now right? Is that, is that seriously? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Seven minutes, and se- se- maybe it's nine, maybe it's five, I don't five. know, seven. And I didn't take the shower because I didn't feel like I needed it, but I wanted to see what it looked like. Now, that's a fucking shower, no joke, right? The thing in this, the the, I know, uh, the, in the, the in global, the private the, jet on the, the Gulf global Street. star or whatever it is, yeah. So the um, phone, I, yeah. I know. That's just <laughs> you, a, gotta, a, you gotta totally. duck under to get into a shower. You hit turbulence yeah. and sh- you get a shower yeah. at fifty thousand feet. Stop it, David. It's embarrassing. And, and forgive me for speaking my mind, um, but if the guy had any uh, cojones, he'd have his own jet. Right. To make a point. Totally. Two points. One is. I don't need your stinking airplane. Bingo. Number n- number two. OK. We don't really need to have our executives flying around in private aircraft. Now, I get it. There are all sorts of times. OK. That you need your executives to get from A to B in a hurry. And they're hard to get to. Perfect yep. opportunity to do that. Okay. You don't need to own your own plane. That in fact, owning one or two planes, chucklehead. Mm-hmm. No zero economy of scale, negative mm-hmm. economy of scale. You mm-hmm. have to have, you know, three sets of flight crews. Mm-hmm. You have to have, have to train them. You have to, you know. A plane is down a third of the year 
for mm-hmm. maintenance. And, mm-hmm. and just so the fact that they had two, once again, board of directors, obtuse. Yep, yep. I mean, like, what do I know? And I can already see how they, if they can't manage their executives with airplanes, right? Bingo, bingo. And, so anyway, and it makes the um, news. Dude, these are the leaks. These are the leaks that they, that he was that he was pissed off about. <laughs> this is the noise, dude. Like Goldman, dude. You don't hear this about Morgan Stanley. You don't hear this about about Jeffries. Okay, you don't hear this about about those guys. adults yeah. in the room. What Goldman Sachs cannot like this shit. Constant. This is constant noise and distraction. That's just bad for the brand. Like I, I just like if you want to compare yourself to Morgan Stanley and, and the, the grownups, like no, that's like. The story about the CEO, James Gorman, complaining about the bathroom on his private plane, you'd look at you'd be like, you have 10 heads. But when it's David Solomon and Goldman Sachs, you're like, this fucking clown again? Like, what's the next story? So that's we, the, uh, you know? we did. We did post uh, just, I think, yesterday, a picture of murderers row up on the Ibwok website. So anyway, I was texting with Big Ed last night, who was at the Springsteen concert. Oh. And um, I saw the set list and it, it, it was killer. You know, yeah. everything, Kitty's back, Rosalita, yeah. She's Tenth the one, Born to Run, 10th yeah. Avenue, Jungle Land. I mean, the whole, the whole nine. Yeah, I mean, he's, got was, must, kid. he's got Clarence's kid on the sax. Yeah. I think it's his nephew. Okay. All right. And all I know right. we like, you can check your facts, but I, I'm going with nephew. Okay. Anyway, um, it came up. Because I'm going to get to see Big Ed and and you hopefully next week, and I I said I cup I got a couple of Ibwok pens for you, and he said you know you've already given me two, and I said I you know my bad senior moment, but he said he didn't have any Liam Allen Ibwok pens, and I said they're very hard to come by, and he's like I know I've been searching eBay relentlessly <laughs> to find them. So, in fact, I don't even have. A Liam Allen Ibwak pen. So oh, man, that's, actually, I was going to his neck of the woods. I was thinking I was going to go. Speaking of Jeffries, um, Mrs. Handler, I think, is doing a, a children's storybook reading at the Pound Ridge Library. So maybe I'll go to the storybook reading, and then I'll go to Ed's to see the goats. Um, and I can check two yeah. boxes with the kids this afternoon. All right, so take some uh, take some pens with you. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good plus idea. maybe you, plus maybe you want to take the Ibwak tent. <laughs> and put it up in the in the parking lot at the like in in Pound Ridge and do a little meet and greet because I know we've got a huge following up in that South Salem, North Salem, Pound Ridge, Ridgefield. That's right near where uh, Bill Gates's uh, daughter lives. Bill Gates's daughter's up there. Oh yeah, we used to. You know that road like near Kensico Lake, yeah, where there's a grain silo, and um a huge equestrian setup. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Bill Gates' daughter's place. Oh, that makes sense. Interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, Bill and, uh, I guess... Um, mm-hmm. Melinda? Uh, Melinda. Are there... The, those kids, they split up, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Bill has some... You can't go to Epstein Island 35 times and uh, and get away with it when it comes to light, you know? <laughs> you, you mean like William Jefferson Clinton? 
Uh, I got a long list that I'm not going to talk. Let's continue because people disappear when we talk about this stuff. So let's. Oh, is that right? Okay. Let's let's, let's talk. Let's talk about the market for a little bit. Because you mentioned Big E and he sent the 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 Oracle email that was one sentence that I I don't want to, you know. No, no, go ahead. Hit me. He said the commercial real estate disaster is coming. Okay, I'm prepared to discuss that. The commercial real estate disaster is coming because I forward these links about so-and-so defaulting on XY building in LA and, and he followed up with that. Go ahead. So I have some uh, modest experience in the sector. And I do think there's going to be, or there already is a commercial real estate problem. Now, I want to be clear about my view on these things, and it may not be right, but I'm, you know, often wrong, but never in doubt. When you go back and think about the great financial crisis of 06 to 08, let's say, pick a year, the problem there was you had a bunch of standard mortgages, which got sliced and diced in 57 different ways and put in packages, which were hard, if not impossible to value. And then they created synthetic securities off of those. And so they they took this fairly normal security, a mortgage, and they spun it around, convinced virtually everyone that they had turned lead into gold. Mm-hmm. And of course, they did. So the unwind created an unimaginable situation. Uh, I had lunch yesterday with a young man and his father, who I know from, from Greenwich, and he's uh, an analyst at a bank. And I've been I don't say mentoring him, but you've met him. He's been on the ride with us. I introduced you properly. I said, meet so-and-so. He's a friend of ours. And um, uh, he was asking me about the regional bank crisis. And, and I said, you know, I just don't think this is a big deal. And he goes, I said, well, why is that? And I said, well, I'm sure, as I said on the podcast, before the weekend was out, you were going to have 80 cent bids, 90 cent bids on this stuff by Blaupost and Seth Klarman, Howard Marks, Apollo, right? And he starts grinning because he works for one of these investment banks and he has a number of clients who had money at the bank. And so he's on all these calls and he's grinning because he's like, oddly enough, those were the people that turned up to provide liquidity. <clears throat> So why do I say these things don't concern me? They concern me at some level, okay? But it's it's plain and simple. Here's a building, okay? You got to make your mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. You go three months, you don't make it, okay? The banker calls you up and says, "Let's, what are we going to do? And the choice is, is either, you know, they take the building back 
they extend and pretend, or uh, they sell it. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's it. Not 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 all great. <laughs> no great options. Well, that, but it's not a security you give to an analyst that's going to take them a day yep. to model yep. and come up with a price that there's only going to be two other bidders for. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. That building that may be getting repossessed. Okay. Yep. There's going to be 50 guys drooling waiting to think that. Okay. So yes, there's going to be a problem and I'll explain to you why there's a problem. So in my own case, we're developing a, a, a commercial office building yep. in Manhattan. You know, it's like just my luck, right? When did First you start you this project? When did you start this? When did this ball get rolling and where are two, you? Two, two months before COVID. <laughs> you time yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think I've said even on the show, I begged, <clears throat> I begged my partners, let's just throw away the deposit, right? Anyway. It's like there's a saying, farmers grow, you know, developers develop. They just not. OK, so anyway, we get we get going on the thing. And, um, you know, the way this thing works is I hope I get this right. I never practice these things before we do. But anyway, I'm not I'm not drunk. It's not five o'clock yet. Um, so what happens is the developers put up their own money. They put this plan together about how they want to buy a piece of land. They've done the market research. They've put together a budget. And so that's called uh, pre-con, pre-construction, pre-development. Okay. So you get a plan together, costs a few million dollars. The developers put their own money up. Then you go and you get an equity partner. You get a chunk of money that's going to put up, let's say, 15% of the cost to build a building. Okay. So you have yep. the developers put up 5%. The equity investor puts up 15%. Mm -hmm. So that's 20%. And then you go, you get a bank construction loan for the 80%. Or, yep. or depending on the, the market dynamic, you know, 70%, 85%, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that loan is a short-term loan that's a draw. So is you need money for the construction, you draw down the loan. And, and that's a, a, previously would be a LIBOR-based loan. Mm -hmm. Now it's, now there's SOFR-based. SOFR, yep, yep. Somebody had asked the question about SOFR options. I, I don't think we're gonna get to those today, but in any event, um, one of my partners who I, I have utmost respect for, knew when we went into this, rates were very, very low. And he went to the equity partners and said, look, I, I think we should buy some interest rate protection in case the, the rates go up. And the equity partner, being a famous hedge fund, said, "Now nah, we don't need that. Okay. So now the cost of building this building has gone up by 10, 10%, right? or plus or minus, because it's 5% a year for two years, right? So now there's enough margin at this point that, yeah, we'll be fine, but 
once the building is built, yep. and let's say, you know, the good Lord willing, you fill it up, you go get a loan to value, and then you get a permanent loan to replace the construction. So now that rate's higher than we built into the pro forma. So now there's a meaningful change in the profit expectation of building this building. And I think in our case, uh, I've picked very good partners or I was lucky enough to be picked by good partners. Yep. Wow. Things will fall into place. Mm -hmm. But, you know, most people aren't, aren't that lucky, right? So um, that's kind of a long-winded, I don't even know if it's of any value to explain why I think there'll be a commercial real estate problem. Um, but I don't think it is devastating because if a building that has a loan against it and the loan's 80 million, now the building's worth 50 million, they take the building back, they sell it for 50. The yep. loss gets, you know, the equity guys get blown out. The bank, you know, loses a little bit of money and life goes on, right? It's not like you're sitting around with this toxic waste that nobody can figure out. And, and uh, um, so that's the, that's the commercial real estate problem, which I think faces us. Um, there's a few other things that are going on. You know, there's this debate going on, whether hard landing, no landing, soft landing. I, I think, you know, that discussion, you might as well have a red L written on your fucking forehead. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, but there was some movie. It's like this thing is going down and it's going down big. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm not having any discussion about what kind of landing it's going to be. Okay. It's 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 going to be ugly. And and the reasons are this, okay? The regional banks are just they're just not going to be making loans. Okay? They their deposit base is vulnerable. The risk guys who suck in the first place are going to be, you know, just, I don't want to hear about it. Yep. And apparently 70% of small business loans are created out of uh, small regional. regional banks. Yeah. Once again, this is information believed to be reliable. It cannot be guaranteed. Mm -hmm. um, so, you have the financial constriction, which uh, Powell talked about because of the lending. So mm -hmm. that's a tightening of financial conditions. Um, money supply, where one of our good listeners sent me uh, some research. I'll just read the headline. The money growth horror show. Nominal and real money growth still anchored at multi-decade lows. Mm -hmm. Now, I got a C in macroeconomics and I got a C in money and banking. But, we got a guy. Now we got a guy. <laughs> yeah, but now we got a guy and I can read. And none of this <laughs> makes me sound like I want to be bullish right. on right. growth. Right. Okay. So uh, people will point to the payroll. Well, payroll's pretty strong. Okay. Well, let's 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 be, you know, uh, simple minded about this thing. First and foremost, we know payroll is a lagging indicator. Okay, that's the first thing. Those so how did the, anyway? Those numbers, those 
those numbers are junk anyway. But go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. That's a well, whole other That's a fair point, but it it we don't even need to get there. Here's the reason. So you had the pandemic, right? So everyone's stuck at home. They buy a bunch of shit. What happens? They, they clear the shelves. Yep. Inflation goes up. Nobody can build anything because everyone's locked up, right? Okay. So what happens? They release the lockdown. So now everyone's hiring people to build the shit that got sold out, yep. right? Yep. So all of a sudden, you can't get people because you're trying to rebuild the inventory. Well, now they can't give freight space away, right? Because they've already rebuilt all the stuff. Yeah. So now, in my view, from what I can tell, because, you know, I like to look at the regional surveys and the Chicago PMI was 43.8. Now, we know below 50 is contraction. But what you may not know is, I believe... In old school, a purchasing manager survey at 37 was recession. Wow. So you, you got Chicago at 43.8. You're getting close to, okay. Yeah. Um, so now that all of the labor has been used to replenish the physical goods, all those people who couldn't leave the house to go get their annual physical and yeah, they're back out. Know, uh, now they're out. And so the dentists mm -hmm. and the doctors are overwhelmed. The awesome. All the service. Yeah. Yeah. So once the system clears, okay, you've rebuilt your inventories and you don't have any tailwind for growth. Mm -hmm. Rates are very high. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's been a lot of talk about the consumer is flush with funds. But I just read recently that the people who need the money, the low-level people, they're they're going to be out of money very quickly. I've heard that uh, that story is fading. The, the unlimited money and the, the savings build up. I heard credit card debt is going back up, and I heard credit card spending had, had fallen off. So the debt went up and the spending went down for, I believe it was either February or March. But that okay. was the most recent number. So the, yeah. the the unhinged American consumer spending could be drying up. I saw airline, like airline prices had gone way up and that had driven stuff mm -hmm. down. So it's, a, it's all those lagging, they're lagging numbers. It takes, you know, it takes how long to get through for it to get to me. Right. Well, as Dr. Lacey Hunt says, they're long and variable lags. I guess he's quoting Milton Freeman, but uh, Friedman, Milton Friedman? These are your people. You tell me. I, I yeah, <laughs> my, my people. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going with uh, the economy's, you know, uh, over, mm -hmm. and uh, it's going to be a while. And yeah. so one of the things, I mean, look, I never met a stock market I liked, so you you have to take that with a grain of salt. Of but um, the debate whether the inverted yield curve predicts or causes a recession, we can set that one aside. But one thing I saw, and it may have been, it was either Kevin Muir or Gave Cal, maybe, but it showed the more severe the inversion, the worse 
the forward price of the stock market would be. Mm. And now we've had a really, really maybe epic, yeah, uh, severe inversion of the yield curve. That's number one. Number two, let's say old chestnuts right, and this Fed meeting in May, May third. Let's say that's their final hike. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you go back in history, apparently, and once again, I forget where I saw this, but when you look at what happens to the stock market, like six months or a year after they start cutting, it's a lot lower. Yeah. It's 20 or 30% lower. And um, so, you know, again, uh, we urge, we urge caution. Um, you know, if you look at uh, the lowly two-year note, I think if I can bring this up without blowing myself off the internet, the two-year note closed at a, a 402. One thing I found interesting, uh, I got um, a, a wire transfer late uh, Thursday that I wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was enough money that I didn't really want to let it sit in an account above 250 grand. So I called a guy and, and I said, you know, buy me the, uh, which bill was it? The, the June 29, 23 bill. Cause it, it yielded something like a 480. And um, that might be around the time that everyone predicts the government's going to default. Right. So I'm, I'm happy if that's the high yield, cause I'll take my chances on that. But um what I always do and have instructed my children to do is when you give a broker an order, you check the confirm because you need to check the price and you need to check the commission mm -hmm. because in every book on the stock market you ever read, they always talk about how when they find errors, the errors are oddly enough always in the broker's favor. Anyway, um, I go to the page on Bloomberg and I, I start looking at the treasury bills to see what kind of fill I got. And I look up and, you know, I, I'm a retail guy in this regard. So I expect to pay the offered side and I did pay the offered side, but then I noticed the bid side was like 10 basis points cheap. I'm like, this is a treasury bill. So I, I bring up the treasury bill page on Bloomberg and like these bills all have between three and 10 basis point bid offer spreads on them. So I'm like, this is, something seems wrong. So I, I, I sent uh, Edward a, a note. I said, is the T-bill market, is something going on there? He goes, doc, what do you mean? I said, I'm looking at the prices and they, they look fucked up. And he goes, well, you should be looking at this page. Okay, so I bring that page up and it's the exact same thing I'm looking at in the first place. So. There's something unusual. T-bills aren't supposed to have five, six, seven basis point bid offer spreads. Um, I don't know. Maybe I had a bad day. Maybe uh, I had a stroke and don't know it. But um, there's just something is rotten in the state of Denmark when and you don't have. You didn't pinpoint it for you? Well, I, you know, look, I, I don't. We didn't have a long discussion. This was all on a. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, a text mm -hmm. and he's very busy and I, I don't want to disturb him. And, and I just thought, you know, old man hit the wrong key, but, uh, 
I, I, I don't know that I don't know what it means. I'm not drawing any conclusions other than it's unusual. Okay. And um, we should put that in the back of our uh, back of our thinking. Okay. So uh, I, I still think this has got time to play out. And uh, um, there were a lot of other things that uh, um, I seem to want to uh, kind of talk about, but um, uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to to uh, bring it into sort of a, a an arc. What's you know, we had the, what's up with that picture you sent me? You said you had Saturday. You had you were in a restaurant. You sent me a lovely. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So um, we're in. Uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah. And um, there's a down the block from Bike House is a great restaurant called Cafe Monarch. Okay. And it's sort of like a date night kind of nice place. And um, one of the one of my favorite things to do is to go with one or all of my daughters and if available my wife my wife to like a, a nice spot occasionally where you dress up yeah. and you know cloth napkin and you know that kind of thing and um sure <laughs> and uh so we're at this place and um there's a guy at a round table near us and i think i've mentioned this to you before when i've been on the trading floor I had the ability to hear multiple conversations of course. and kind of process them at the same time. Well, son, so uh, I think um, oldest daughter is sitting to my right, yeah. youngest daughter is sitting to my left, yeah. and I've got clear view to this round table of eight yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. And there's a heavy set guy <laughs> talking about how he made money on this deal and how he made money on that deal. In the meantime, in the meantime, and this is a personal choice, but we, we, we cover all bases here. First of all, the guy's wearing a brown suit. Okay. I, I, he looks like Bill Belichick. It looks like Bill Belichick. All right. So if you want to visualize, you can fit. It's a beautiful restaurant, gorgeous chandelier, white linen, lovely fresh tulips on the, on the cat, on the table. All right. And then you got this guy. He looks like a Midwest, like big bulky Midwestern guy, but he's got a terrible the suit. Is brutal. Okay. I, I thought it was. I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Can I describe the other members of his party of his of his four top. <laughs> he's got another guy in like a, a a bad print shirt. It's like borderline zebra print shirt. So that's like his nephew or his partner or son. And then there's two women with their back to me. One in a black cocktail dress with lovely blonde tresses. And then her friend or the other date, whoever it is, is sitting. And now, like, posture and body language is, is one of my favorite things to read. Oh, is that the one reading her iPhone sitting? Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I thought maybe the wine list, because I, you know, now that I put my glasses on, she is slouched down, oh, yeah. halfway but down, I, halfway down the chair. Okay. Chin on her chest. Okay. <laughs> Glued to whatever's in her phone. And I can see this dude is like staring at her talking. <laughs> I so I want, I want I want to focus on this guy just because I love to pick on other people. And by the way, I I understand I gotta take it. People can dish it out. That's fine. But here's this guy. He's got this fucking brown ugly suit. Now, maybe 
in the rest of the world, brown suits are cool. Okay. But, you know, to me, brown suit indicates life insurance salesman. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what else. But not only does he have an ugly brown suit, from the distance I'm at, it almost looks like it's corduroy, right? <laughs> That's number one. Number two, and you may not see it in the picture, he's wearing a fucking iPhone watch. I watch, right? Okay. <laughs> now, now, I may offend some people with this, and I apologize. This is a matter of personal choice. But the guy, not only does he have a shitty tie on, Okay. And, and, and when I talk to young people about how dressing, how like you dress your hair, I said, look, you don't have to have an Armani suit, but you got to have a few things. The suit's got to fit. Okay. Number one, number two, white shirt with a regular collar. Okay. I can't wear my blue with my white collar. (laughs) And if you're, if you have any money, whatsoever you have to get a nice tie okay the nice tie okay but but and here's here's the point i want to make and it's clearly a matter of personal taste but it's a big deal to me this big guy has tied a windsor knot on his tie now i know this isn't everyone's cup of tea okay but to me a Windsor knot is, it's just like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to put it into words. Maybe he I, had his ascot on and he was hiding. He looks like he could have been wearing an ascot all day. He's that kind of I, 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 I don't even know how to tie a Windsor knot. And <laughs> I mean, so anyway, that's what I wanted to say was basically, you know, it's the iconic situation of, hey, I'm delighted you're successful. It's great you have money. You know what? Just enjoy your meal. We don't need to hear about what a fucking genius you were about how you you. Oh, it's the worst. Cre- it's 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 un- it's unbelievable. And you know what? I'm sure when I was in my twenties and thirties, you got to these trader dinners and you're hooting and hollering. But you're with a group of traders. This guy's with the, like his daughter or his yeah. wife or yeah yeah, yeah. So, his girlfriend um, please oh. the other the other one of these life lessons was it hit me again about um you know i keep saying i'm bad in math mm-hmm. and i and 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 i just grant me that okay but what i'm good at is remembering arcane facts okay so for instance there's a good chance if you name a diner in New Jersey and Cheryl and I had eaten there. I'd probably remember what I ate. Yeah. Okay. Or there'll be things that'll happen and I'll say, Oh, that's so-and-so. And and, and Cheryl would say, well, how do you know that? And I said, well, I I don't know. I saw it somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing that happens is you talk to a lot of people and this is true with a lot of our Greenwich bunch. Okay. I didn't, realize it at first but a number of the guys just make shit up like i don't mean like uh, let me be more precise they will make up fantasies about oh i'm gonna buy this house on round hill road or i put a deposit down it and asked martin or and it'll be in passing 
-hmm. you know, I put a, I put Absolutely. a bid in in a house in Florida, and um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. and I remember talking to uh, one of our friends about it recently, and said, you know, so and so is buying a house in Florida. I said, no, he's not. And he <laughs> says, why'd you say that? I said, because he's told me nine different times how he was buying this and he was buying that and he was buying, and he, he's over. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what? It, it, it irks me because it's like, it's a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. Like if it went in one ear and out the other, but yeah. it sticks. And, and it's like, I, so those of you out there that saying, tell the truth, mm -hmm. it's the easiest thing to remember. God, it really is. Yeah, unbelievable. Mm. So, I don't know what else I got for you today. That's I didn't. Buy, I mean, stocks, buy stocks on Monday, folks. <laughs> um, Monday, uh, there's a lot of data coming out. Okay, what do you got? Purchasing. I well, I I don't have it in front of me directly, but I think we get the National Purchasing Manager Survey. Okay. I think those things will be important. You know, I don't like um, the surveys. You know, I don't like the surveys. Dude, the survey participants have been, the, the survey participant rate is down. So they called 10 managers and they only got answers out of five of them. Uh, and then they can cook that fucking number. So I don't like any of that stuff. Well, so I think you may be conflating two things. The survey I think you're referring to is what they do to generate the employment statistics, mm -hmm. the surveys I'm talking about are like the Chicago purchasing manager survey, this sort of thing. You might be right, but I, I have a suspicion you might be looking under the wrong rock. Um, but it, it, regardless, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the data is all spurious. Uh, so that's my point. That's my point. And I think I think Dr. Hunt made that point a little bit in was that the data since COVID and the way that the government collects the data and the amount of lagging data, not so much like the, the collection, but the way that it's interpreted. There's just the point is there was problem problems with the data, you know? You're you're exactly right, which I mean you're one hundred percent right, which is why I like the regional surveys, mm -hmm. because it's a simple question are things better mm -hmm. worse or unchanged from the last month now i'm embarrassed to tell you i don't know whether they seasonally adjust those numbers or not i my bad okay um but you don't you're not likely to have the same um artifact because of the way the COVID closures hit and then the reopenings came. So, um, yeah. but, uh, you know, I, I still think hanging out in the front end with these rates, waiting for something to happen. I, I, I think, you know, it's not that hard of a time to be investing. I think it's pretty easy, frankly. And, uh, I continue to, to roll with that. And I'm, I'm ready to jump in the equity market. I just, Based on everything I read, I, I think you wait till after the first ease. Yep. And uh, I, if anyone has evidence to the contrary, I mean, you, you do remember when I talked about one of my worst trades years ago, I think it was 2001, I had accumulated this ginormous position in Euro dollar calls. 
Okay. The curve was flat. The funds rate was like six and a half percent. And I had, I, I used to remember the exact number, but it was 24,000 of these, of these calls. And we're sitting around one day and I just recently got back from snowboarding with some guys up at Sugarbush and the concept of vendor financing had come along. And so basically it really hadn't occurred to me, but I, I dig, dug deep and realized that these companies were selling products to people and they were financing them. Hmm. So is that they were recording them as a sale? Yeah. But, you know, no one was paying any money. And then I realized, you know, this didn't smell right. So I felt very comfortable, like having all these options. And we're sitting around, and I think it was early in the day, and the fucking Fed eased out of nowhere. And the euros ripped. I made a huge amount of money. And I look, and the stock market was up like 10%. Or it was just some ginormous number. Yeah. I, I, I won't attempt to speculate because we can look it up. Yeah. And I'm, the first thing that occurs to me is, Jesus, the, the Fed's not going to keep easing if, if the stocks are going up 15% a day. So within about four minutes, I had taken incredible victory. <laughs> and it, it was still fine. I mean, I had a great yeah. day and made a ton of money. But I left, you know, a hundred basis points on the table the whole time. Leslie's looking at me. I, I, I remember vaguely him looking at me, and the look just was like, "You're just not seeing this the right way." But I was so fucking drunk and giddy with this chunk of money because you you remember yeah. we got paid a a fixed percentage, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, um, imagine you get your scratch off lottery ticket, right? And it's like, you want a million bucks. It's like, what are you going to do? It's like, here, give me my million bucks. I'm like, I'm not thinking about there's like another hundred. Right. I'm like, how quickly can I monetize this thing? Wow. Amazing. The point, the point being that that was a couple of day spike. And then the stocks went south for yeah. a long, long, long time. And uh, with that, uh, I think uh, we've run out of time because the red light's gone off and I think network wants to cut to a commercial or something. So no dollar calls. All right, buddy. Um, it's great to see you. All right. Thank you very much to Ed and Mike. I want to say thank Mike Greg R for providing a lovely topic of discussion. Um, and if I ever catch you in Birkenstocks, when you get back here, I will. <laughs> okay. Goodbye. I'll talk to you soon, pal. All right. Cheers. Buddy. Bye. <laughs>